Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Yami Adiyama. I'm the Community Engagement Manager at Juno Construction. And I have the pleasure of having a podcast today uh, to talk about, um, you know, something that's dear to my heart, supplier diversity. And it's something that I've been wanting to do for, for a while. And um, it just so happened that, you know, Juno decided to create a podcast room um, about three months ago. And also we have Construction Inclusion Week coming up, you know, in a couple of weeks. So uh, everything aligned to to give me the opportunity to do this podcast um, and to talk to uh, two individuals um, in construction um, and have a good discussion about supplier diversity. Some people may be aware of what supplier diversity is. Some people may not be aware and some people may not know how to um, to uh, to increase efforts in supplier diversity. Right. So we want to talk today about uh, supplier diversity, what that means, uh, what are the challenges that minority and diverse businesses are having, and what we as an industry, what we as a company could do uh, to help engage more minority and uh, diverse uh, suppliers. So uh, today I have Massa Parak. Hope I pronounced your name correctly. You did great. Awesome, thank <laughs> you. Uh, she's the CEO of Southern Electric. And then I have Brian Cordova, all yep. right. Um, he is the owner of uh, Mariah Dreams Construction. And um, so they're going to be talking today about, you know, a little bit about their background, how they got into the industry and some of the challenges. But for right now, I want, uh, starting with you, uh, to go ahead and introduce yourself and your company and give us a little bit of background. Um, about you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Massa Porak. Um, I'm Chief Operating Officer and General Counsel for Southern Electric Company. Um, our company was started in 1997 by my dad. Uh, he uh, ran it independently until he passed away in an accident in 2018. Um, at that time, I was a public defender in California, and I had no plans of working in construction or moving back to Georgia. But um, there's that saying that like God laughs at your plans and uh, he was yeah, laughing that's right. so <laughs> after about a year um, I made the decision to move back home and uh, I took the Georgia bar exam and we'd had an interim president for a couple years but I let him go in April of 2021 and I've been um, in the lead seat since then um, and yeah that's uh, you know I think that my experience outside of the construction industry being a public defender has really helped me in the position that I have now and I think that it just makes my company and my employees better. Oh, that's awesome. Thank and you. Uh, you know, again, we all come from different backgrounds, right? So you didn't have no interest, <laughs> any interest in construction, and, no. and here you are, right? Yeah, I mean, so, I knew my dad did lights right. before he passed away. That was like, that was it. <laughs> so, and I now I know, it. I know more now. Yeah, um, but good. yeah, that was the extent of my knowledge about his company. So. Yeah, I've been you know picking it up as I go. I've learned a lot, but yeah. That's awesome. Well, we definitely. Are excited to hear more about that journey, right? <laughs> How about you, Brian? Yeah, so my name is Brian Cordova, and I am actually co-owner with my mom at Morai Dreams Construction. Um, she started the business back in late 2020 with her husband, who is the master carpenter. And then um, I joined up uh, in mid-2021, leaving um, my corporate job as a uh, project engineer uh, for UPS to come help her kind of establish the business and organize everything uh, with my, you know, project management skills, uh, my engineering skills um, to help grow the business. And, you know, luckily 
uh, after I came in and went through learning pretty much everything that I did do myself, putting everything, you know, from using the miter saw to installing trim baseboard crown, everything. Um, uh, back in about 2022, we got a contract with uh, a big uh, developer here in Georgia who is called Stanley Martin. So um, that's uh, kind of where we're at now and, you know, continue to grow and, you know, working with Juno here now. That's awesome. Um, so unlike you all, I, I didn't really grow up in construction. Um, <laughs> you know, raised in a Nigerian uh, home and I think that the two choices that they, they usually give, you know, the kids is like uh, being a doctor and an engineer. So um, <laughs> so I, I knew I wanted to to be an engineer, you know, um, just didn't think anything about construction. Right. All I saw was like, you know, people actually using hammers. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to work that hard. So um, <laughs> I, I want to tell people what to do. So uh, maybe <laughs> architect, engineer. Um, but later on, obviously, in life, um, I ended up being in construction, which probably one of the greatest decisions um, I've made. So, um, so I'm glad that you all, you know, chose or maybe didn't choose, but you know, now are in construction, right? Mm -hmm. This is such a great um, industry. So um, just like you said, both uh, of your companies are, are currently doing work with uh, Juno Construction. Um, but I wanna talk about uh, the challenges that you all have faced, right? Um, uh, being a minority or disadvantaged uh, business because, you know, opportunities um, are very rare, you know, and are hard to come by when you're um, a minority or disadvantaged business, uh, business, right? And even a small business as well, too, like starting up your business. You have to try to make those relationships and mm -hmm. uh, pretty much pray for people to give you a chance, right? Because you know that once you have that opportunity, you can prove yourself, right? So I want to talk more about, you know, the challenges that you have faith, faced so far in being in the industry as uh, for you, for uh, as being a woman owned, you know, uh, company now. Right. So um, what what challenges have you faced? Well, I think coming in, you know, I because I didn't come up in the community here and I'd been in California for six years before I moved back. I didn't have any kind of community in the construction industry. I had no contacts. Like I had a small handful of people that had worked with my dad for many years at the time, like our um, insurance bonds agent and um, uh, our accountant. But I really didn't know anybody beyond that. So when I was trying to build our groundwork, which really the interim president that I had left me with no customers and no backlog, one of the biggest challenges at the time was, where do you go from here, right? Like. I don't know anybody. I don't have any friends. You send, you know, cold call emails to general contractors and, you know, you don't get any response. And that's really challenging. Right. And I think that that's one thing that um, in the construction industry, at least in Georgia, I can't speak for anywhere else. There's a lot of family owned businesses, generational businesses, people that have come up within these communities. So they know who to call. They know where to go. Right. And I didn't have any of that. Um, the way personally I overcame that was very different than for my dad. I think my dad was just like, well, I'm going to push through. I'll find a couple people to work with. We'll develop that and we'll go from there. And for me, I really wanted to expand and have every opportunity available to us as I was rebuilding the company. And so one of the first things I did was I um, joined the Associated General Contractors. And um, very quickly after that, I was in the Young Leadership Council. Um, and that singularly, I think, was the biggest um, tool and resource that I had that helped me bridge that gap because it was really scary coming in and looking at like 
the small backlog we have dwindling every month and not having anybody to call, you know, and, and, and like you said, Yami, like, I mean, nobody really has a reason to give you a chance, especially like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a former public defender from California. What do I know? Right. Like, they're like, you don't know anything about construction. And I'm yeah. like, that's totally fair. Right. But I have been able to figure out how to run a business and I've hired a lot of people that do know, you know, how to do the electrical part of the construction process. And so, but when you don't have those, those resources, that community that's going to go out there for you and mm. like call that person and say, Hey, look, I know that there may be some questions that you have, but they can do it. She yeah. can do it. Like yeah. give them the chance. Not having that sense of community, I think, is one of the biggest things um, that makes it harder for women or people of color in the industry to make inroads and be successful. And there are ways, like I said, the way that I found to combat it. But you know that also costs money too. So not sure. everybody, maybe in the beginning, is set up to be able to do that. Um, so you know, I think that it's uh, it's definitely tough not having that kind of extended community um which I, i'm very proud and very grateful that i feel like i've developed over the past couple of years but if you had talked to me in april 2021 when uh i was letting the president go i was very afraid yeah. you know um i i had no idea like quite frankly every day that summer i i woke up feeling like that we could close you know it, this could be the end of it sure. um so I'm, I'm very glad i don't i wake up with other problems now <laughs> not those problems right. um but yeah you know it's uh the, the community it's so important and I mean, this industry is about relationships, even once right. you make that that community. Right. Like, you know, and, and it's not just even the work you do. It's like how you treat your employees, how you treat other people. Those things, they matter greatly and they help you build that foundation. Um, but you've got to get that opportunity to, like, get the chance in the first right. place. Right. And that's hard. Right. And um, so you talk a lot about people helping you. Right. The community. So like advocators. Right. Cause, yes. Um, you know, one thing that my parents preached to me was, you know, destiny helpers, right? Because we all have purposes, but we need people to open those doors, help yes. us connect. Because you, you you don't know what you don't know, or you know what you know, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes you just don't know information that will help you, right? But right. there's people that are, are put in your lives that you connect with that like, okay, hey, you need to do this in order to be successful. You need to do A, B, C, D, right? right. Um, so those are definitely important, you know, to, to build upon what you have or what you're trying to do uh, to be successful, to create those opportunities and to be successful when you get those opportunities. Of course. Um, how about you, Brian? Any challenges that have come your way since, you know, joining with your your mom as a co-owner of your company? Yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of challenges, especially starting out, you know, as a small business and a small, uh, diverse business. Um, first off, the there was a huge challenge just for my mom being a woman in construction and being a immigrant woman in construction. So uh, she had a lot of struggles. Um, and that's kind of one of the bigger reasons too for me to join to help her and, you know, uh, build the business. Um, so she had trouble getting work. Um, she was the way she luckily the way she found her first uh kind of contract or uh, work for a you know a subcontractor was she knew somebody that was already kind of doing similar stuff mm -hmm. and luckily you know they gave her the information and she was able to start working with them but the 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 i don't know how to put it but the the work that they did for the money that they got paid was 
not worth it at all. Yeah. And that's when I came in and started looking at all the numbers, you know, looking at everything from the back end and uh, seeing what they were doing and what everything was costing. And it, it was bad. Yeah. So luckily I was able to jump in, you know, about a year later um, from when she started the business and actually see what they were doing, you know, using all my engineering background to look at what they were, how long they were taking to do things and how much they're getting paid for that. and what they were actually making per hour yeah. and it was really bad. Wow. So that was uh, one of her biggest challenges and um, luckily I was able to come in and kind of look at that really deeply and fig- starting to figure out what else we need to do to you know, get better money, more money. Um, so then that's kind of when I came in and I, I think my struggles when I started was um, trying to network, you know, because for me, you know, I, I went to college, did engineering, got out, went to start working the corporate stuff, and I didn't know, I don't really have the relationships in construction like that, you know, yeah. and um, that's when I think the struggle was the networking, but luckily with, when I was at UPS, I was part of a, a organiz- uh, internal organization that they help uh, kind of um, mentor you Okay. Um, so luckily, I was able to use that and uh, network from there outside of that as well, outside of UPS and meet different people um, and learn that there's a bunch of organizations here in Georgia alone, you know, that help with all types of things from young, young entrepreneurs to uh, construction businesses and, uh, you know, uh, or immigrants as well. So, I mean, so I knew that. And what I did was just continue just network and I uh, learned about the GHCC who is Georgia Hispanic Construction mm. uh, Association or GCA and you know I joined them started networking going to all their events meeting people that's actually where yeah, I met yeah, Yomi too <laughs> so that's right it, you know networking is huge right, right. I can tell you and right. I continue to do that and you know continue to try to build relationships with multiple people and it's I'm never. I'm not comfortable. I'm. A, I consider myself a, a introvert. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a struggle for me, but you know, I I have to do it. Yep. You know, there was that's no right. choice. But um, I think that's probably the biggest struggle is just trying to network, meet people, meet different people in 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 the in in the industry. And then now, I think <laughs> my biggest struggle is I'm kind of getting more offers than I can handle right now. And I'm starting to realize that and I'm kind of going through that growing pain and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out getting more work or getting more help, getting more quality help. Yeah. uh, Which of course across the U.S. there's a shortage of workers. So we struggle with that even, it's even harder for us. So for sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, you mentioned uh, organizations, right? You mentioned uh, you were part of uh, AGC um, and then Georgia Hispanic Contractor Association. And there's so many other organizations out there that um, that are beneficial for uh, diverse suppliers, small businesses to help them facilitate those relationships. Because both of you all mentioned how important it is to have a community uh, network, you know, because this industry is really about relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's not always about the lowest number. No, it's about you know building that relationship and having people uh, give you a chance. So 
I'm glad that you all have utilized those organizations and you're currently utilizing those organizations um, to facilitate those relationships. Um, so let me ask you this, why is supplier diversity important to you? Well, I think in any setting, any context, having a variety of opinions and thoughts brings great value. You know, when you come from different backgrounds, you have different experiences, the way that you may approach problem solving is different. Um, and when we're dealing with a construction site where you've got hundreds of different kinds of people out there every day, it helps to not have just one singular viewpoint and one m management style, you know? And I think that it's going to continue to become important as I think that the probably the past like 50 years, or maybe honestly forever of the construction industry, at least in Georgia, has been fairly homogeneous, right? Like it, it's been, I think, a lot of the stereotypical idea of like the people that you see running these construction companies a lot of the times are older white men. Um, and it's not to say that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but when you're dealing with that group of people, they have a approach or they've developed over years an approach of how they're dealing with field staff and personnel and we're coming upon a new generation that is vastly different, that yeah. is by far one of the most diverse generations that we have in this country, and that, that trend is only gonna continue. And if you, you can't apply the old standards of management, of employee treatment to the new generation, we will lose them, yeah. right? And particularly in construction, when we're talking about, I mean, it is, it is impossible to find people. It is greatly one of our biggest challenges. And, and part of the challenge is not even like, oh, let me find somebody who's an electrician. It's let me find people who are willing to start in the trade in the first place, right? Yeah. Those people are not going to be willing to come if we continue to be the stereotype of like the aggressive backbreaking work, the like demeaning, uh, you know, attitudes and behavior towards staff at any level, right? Um, yeah. But I think we've all seen that to certain different extents that like, you're on a job site and something's not going right and the lead guy is calling everybody a moron and screaming and doing this stuff and um first of all none of us work better that way right I've, i have yet to see anybody get yelled at and then perform amazing right that's not what happens <laughs> right. right um but again i feel like when you have a a group of leaders that are are of one experience of one mindset of one generation you're not going to be able to then speak to the next generation that we, we need. We have to be able to reach these people yeah. and, and reach them in a way that they're like, you know what, I want to be here. Yeah. I, and I, I have a place here, I can see myself there. Um, so yeah, I think having that kind of diversity, having women, having people of color, it helps expand the thoughts and the conversations that are happening in the job site, in the office, wherever it might be. And that's only going to benefit all of us because we all have so many different kinds of people that are working for us. That's right. And um, like you said, and, and workforce development is a whole another topic and it is related, right? Because if we're talking about uh, diversity, you know, obviously construction industry has been, you know, a white man's industry for a long time. Right. And um, to your point, yeah, I mean, this country, this world is getting more diverse. Right. Um, and you talked about the labor uh, shortage, right? How, mm -hmm. you know, we're looking for labor. So if if all the, the children, the kids see, you know, are, are white men, then, you know, there's just going to continue to be a labor shortage, right? So we got to diversify. They, we got to have them see, you know, different backgrounds, right? Diverse uh, individuals, you know, being in, in being leaders in the construction industry as well, too. So that will help our uh, workforce issue, right? And that will help, you know, just construction in general, because again, 
you know, when you have a more diverse business, um, at least the studies that I've seen, it's it's more there's more innovation, right? There's more creativity because you have t so many different perspectives looking at something. And, you know, there's never like no one has all the answers. Right. So when you have a more diverse team, you know, you allow for more creativity. So um, but how about you, how, Brian? Um, what, what is supplier diversity and what does that mean to you? Well, for me, <clears throat> supplier diversity is, you know, hitting back at, you know, changing what the current, um, what it, what the current construction, uh, what it looks like to everybody from the outside, right? Um, yeah. Change the stereotype because like you were just saying, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to, you know, find work. So how do we find, you know, uh, talent that is going to want to come work in the construction industry is putting people in place that, you know, um, that people that, that can see themselves, you know, in that position. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that is diversity because, The construction industry is not going to be just strictly white men, yeah. right? Especially, I think in this country that is a melting pot of all types of backgrounds, and and I think that yeah, it's it's for me. I think on a personal level, diversity is to be able to help you know my my um uh, my friends and family, my community. Uh, to help them because, you know, coming from an immigrant background, it, it is a struggle from day one from when you get here. Um, and, you know, I went through the struggles as an immigrant and all that. And and my parents, I saw my, you know, parents uh, as I was growing up going through the struggle. So for me, I think the biggest thing is having mentors. Um, I think mentors is going to be a big thing um, to be able to bring diversity to multiple industries, not even just construction. Because sure. I went through, um, I think I went through, a, you know, a big portion of my life without having a mentor per se, and then getting into uh, uh, college and then the corporate world, I was able to find mentors to help me, assist me, guide me, uh, you know, answer questions about a lot of stuff. And I think I think I give them a lot of uh, uh, praise for what they did to put me in a mindset, basically, to to do what I do now and, you know, running this business with a mom and continue to try to grow and help the community. For sure. So I think, uh, is it fair to say that we're all immigrants? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was born in Finland. So yes. Okay. Awesome. Uh -huh. I was born in Nigeria. So yeah, I was born in Peru. Awesome. <laughs> Look, at that. Look at that. I like the diversity. None of us um, can be president. That's right. <laughs> And I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine with that. I'll live my business. Yeah, that's true. That's, right. that's true. Um, so <laughs> one thing that my dad always told me growing up is you have to work twice as hard. Yeah. Um, and um, so I want to know, like, do you all feel, you know, that your company has to work twice as hard as non-minority businesses, right? No, Non-diverse businesses. Is that is that a true statement? 
so one thing I will say that was very surprising to me coming back to the construction industry in Georgia, having lived, I mean, I, I went to law school in San Francisco, so I was living in one of the most progressive areas in the country, right? Um, and I was very apprehensive coming here about whether I would be accepted as, you know, a woman of color attorney, you know, not from our community. And um, I was really surprised at how welcomed I was. Like, it, honestly, it really, I, I was not expecting it at all. And so I think that especially amongst like the young people in this generation in the construction industry, like there is, I don't feel like there is as much of the barriers there. They're there. Right. But like amongst the new people coming in, there's a, a we're all, we all grew up in a different mindset. Right? right. So I think that that is going to continue to improve, not to say that there aren't challenges still for minorities and, and women owned businesses. Um, but I, I will say, I think that it's, I don't think it's an issue of having to necessarily prove myself twice as hard, but it is harder to get into the room at times, which was, you know, kind of something where we started is that right. um, because I don't have that community, you know, I, it's it's hard to get the meeting. Yeah. And I don't think that that's necessarily just because, like, I'm a woman of color. I think that it's when you are in a relationships based industry people go with what they know versus what they don't know right yeah. and that makes it hard you know yeah. um so i i don't know that the expectations feel higher on me um but i feel like it was a challenge to get myself where i was and i but i really and i think that's again to the credit of where we are in the industry right now is that i i never felt like who i was or after i got here i was worried about it before i came but once i got here i wasn't worried that who i was was going to limit my company sure. right um and i feel like i've actually found that the opposite is true and that i've been able to do a lot more than i ever thought i could and i think a lot of it is because i have a different perspective and attitude about what we're doing sure and so you talk about it's hard getting into, into the room right yeah yeah um so once you get in the room like brian how how important is it to be like to not let go of the opportunity like to make sure that you know like you really do a great job because again you know, opportunities come and go and um, you know you really got to take advantage of the opportunities right I think um, there was a connotation you know just being you know part of this space of uh, supplier diversity that on, on certain projects where there is a requirement for um, you know diverse participation um, there are sometimes uh, diverse businesses that take advantage of it right you know like they they know that there is a 15 percent you know goal that's needed and they're just going to be a, a part of it you know and not actually you know really do the work so how important is it for you brian to when you get those opportunities to really be uh you know uh successful at, at it you know for me i think it's uh on a personal level i feel like it's a lot more pressure for me uh and maybe it's because as well because you know it's my mom that's a co-owner with me too and she's getting older and you know the idea is to eventually retire her um so i feel pressure from i guess multiple levels you know yeah. you know personal level family level and then on the business side with you know uh, developers and contractors um and i guess it's it's part of maybe my my personality too is uh, I like to do things once and do things the right way the first time and get it done. Um, so there's no questions about it. And, you know, we move on to the next thing. Um, that's probably one of the 
biggest growing pains right now is that you know everything's not always done perfectly the first time because yeah. I don't have control of everybody. <laughs> I only have control of myself, and um, it's something that I'm you know working through. Um, so, um, <clears throat> and it goes back to you know trying to make sure that you know you do things right with uh, with you know the opportunities that you get. Um, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, as I've, we've been growing, I've been getting opportunities recently and, and, um, things are kind of coming to, to a realization for me that, you know, I need to, um, maybe slow down or focus on a couple of things. Um, so things don't get out of hand basically and try to make things, uh, uh, right for the couple opportunities that I do have right now and then you know maybe worry about growing more later on while we, while I kind of you know in a sense perfect these uh, couple opportunities that I have now for sure um so, so going back to get into the room right so both companies have uh certifications as um I believe uh, Women owned. We're Women not a minority owned, owned because okay. the city of Atlanta told me I'm white. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. like, yeah, it's a really great uh, joke to tell because um, everybody laughs, but it is true. Um, but we are a woman owned business. Women owned. Okay. Yeah. And we're a diversity owned business. Okay. So minority. Minority. All right. So how important uh, was it for you all to to get certified and have you all seen a, a benefit in uh, getting certified? Because there's a lot of um, you know, diverse suppliers that I meet, you know, through networking events, uh, maybe just start a business or been in business and they haven't gotten their certification. So I want to speak to um, those individuals on, on whether or not, you know, it's important to, to get a certification and if it's, you know, beneficial. I mean, I think I, I have not won a job because of a certification, right? Yeah. I don't think it's a make or break. Um, I do think it's nice to be able to tell people that we're, we're a woman-owned business. And it's also frustrating for me that I can't tell people that I'm a minority-owned business because yeah. I am, but technically, on paper, I'm not. And I am a lawyer, so I understand that like I'm not going to go out and tell people I'm a minority-owned business when there is this technicality about it or whatever, you know. Sure. Um, but I think people have a perception about you know like wanting again like I think the the desire to have diversity has grown and so people want to see you know a woman-owned business or minority-owned business on their projects um but i i haven't found it to be make or break right um and you know that's something that i think maybe should be explored in a different venue at a time because what's the whole purpose of all of it if like it's not a benefit in a way too sure um and like you said i mean i've i've heard stories about a lot of people who've got the designation and uh will joint venture with somebody and their name is on it, but not one soul from their company is on the job site, right? right. And, you know, that's not right either. Right. You know, like the designations should truly be for the companies that are the minority owned, the women owned, and 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 practice that and live that, you know? Cause like one of the impacts, whether it's whether you get business or not, but one of the impacts fundamentally is like, I have females who work for me that could see themselves being in my chair, right? Because right. and. And that's because I'm present and that matters that, you know, I think that that has an impact on the people coming up. And so similarly, I think with, with you, you know, like being a minority owned business, like it shows all the people that are working with you, what the possibilities are that it matters, you know? Right. right. Um, how about you? Um, 
So for us, I think it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty it's fairly new as yeah. far as being certified. You just got yours. Uh, uh, June, I think June? it was. Okay. So it's fairly new. But um, and so, I mean, all the opportunities that I've gotten is pretty much prior certification. Uh, but since getting the certification, there has been I've seen like a lot of emails about, you know, how they help. Um, they do webinars, you know, throughout the month on certain days. Um, so I've, I, I feel like, you know, they're trying to to help, um, you know, uh, once you're certified and they have you, I guess, on their email list. Or, you know, what organization stuff. did you go through, by the way, to get certified? Uh, Georgia DLT. OK. All right. Yeah. And the process itself is not is difficult just because you have to gather all these paperwork and yeah. have everything organized and being a small business that's starting up, it's, you know, hard to um, have everything in place that they really want to see, um, all the details, um, sure. because, you're, you know, a small business, you're not necessarily worried about, um, you know, the format of how the organization is set. It's really just, you know, me and my mom and then a couple workers and right. <laughs> that's it. You're not really worried about how like a chain of you know who's who's the boss and who's underneath and yeah. all that so so there is a good perspective uh that certification is good because like there's a lot of paperwork involved right so you have to meet those requirements and if mm. you're certified it shows us that okay like yeah you're legit you you meet those requirements versus if you're not certified well i mean you could say or that you're a woman owned well maybe you don't own you know 51 percent of the business right so how do we know that um but at least in in juno's mind we believe in just making an impact right whether you're certified or not certified again i mean we we don't verify you know if uh someone's a woman owned like if she's a ceo or president you know like we we like to still have that impact like you said you know she's in a if a minority or a diverse uh individual is in a um in a high role in the company they're making an impact, right? Because others are seeing that, oh, well, I mean, I have the potential to, to be in a position. I have a potential to run my own company. So there's there's other benefits, you know, outside of just that whole uh, direct, you know, contract award um, with getting certification. Um, so that's just another perspective of how we look at, you know, certified versus non uh, certified as well too and obviously sometimes it does bring you to the tables as well too because again if you have goals well we want to uh, a lot of companies want to seek out those uh, diverse trade partners to be a part of the organization right mm -hmm. and um, and at the end of the day yeah it, it shouldn't matter right you know because if you could get the work done you could get the work done no matter if you're a woman-owned company if you're an african-american owned company all, all we seek for is quality right but uh, we, we do come to the realization that a lot of um, small businesses are minority and, and, and uh, diverse, right? And they need those opportunities to scale up. You know, like it seems like mm -hmm. you're having a lot more business, right? So you're trying to scale up, right? And, and that's the thing, having those resources in, in place. Um, so I, I know Southern Electric's been uh, around since 1997, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And um, and you your company, um, at least you joined with your mom, uh, what year again? Uh, Mid-2021. Okay. 
Um, has it been hard for you? I know like you've worked a lot in residential and you're now migrating to the commercial. Um, has it been tough uh, migrating to the commercial uh, space? Because a lot of times I meet uh, diverse suppliers, you know, that have worked in residential and they're trying to uh, uh, migrate into the commercial, which is, you know, two different things, of right? Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of want you to speak on, you know, that transition um, and, and you know, explain to, to us, you know, if there has been any challenges in transition from that residential space to the commercial space. Yeah, uh, so my challenges, uh, I would say, are um, that, yeah, I mean, they're completely different kind of requirements for, for both sides. On the residential side, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed. Um, you're not worried about a hard hat necessarily, at least for us, <laughs> yeah. um, because we're pretty much going in at the end, just putting up trim. We're not, you know, putting up anything heavy. We're inside a house. Um, on the commercial side, you know, now we're looking at having to get certified uh, OSHA, OSHA certified. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has to have a hard hat, a vest, you know, steel toe boots, um, which luckily I had a little bit of exposure to that, you know, back, you know, after high school, working with my dad. And um, I think, you know, aside from that, you know, the field stuff also, you know, on the back end stuff is um, trying to work through all the, I guess, uh, I guess change orders, you would call them, uh, with, with um, what, you know, the, the customer wants. Um, you know, we initially started out with a certain specific scope with what they, they wanted and I was kind of planning to that. And then, you know, a couple months later, things are changing and um, uh, we're going through a couple of different estimates of what they want and figuring out what uh, uh, all the little details about that, having drawings. Um, you know, being a small business, luckily for me, you know, I have that background in doing drawings and estimates and yeah. and putting all those details together. But now my issue is I don't even have time to do it and sit down and do that. <laughs> right. So I am, you know, putting that out to somebody else to do it for me and getting them to do it. And um, so um, that's, you know, pretty much um, the struggles right now with, uh, uh, you know, transitioning from residential to a commercial company. Um, I think that's pretty you know, about the majority, yeah. Okay. And obviously, like, um, you know, at least with uh, the job that you're working on with us, I mean, it's pretty much similar, like, to, to the rooms, you know. So it really depends on the market that you're going to in commercial. Like, you know, um, it's easier for, I think, for, um, you know, someone in carpentry to go from uh, residential to um commercial in the multifamily arena versus maybe like a, a mechanical guy from residential going to a commercial, right? Because it's, it's a little mm -hmm. bit different. Now, multifamily, you know, obviously it's a little more closer than um, like an office or, or whatever. So it seems like you have to be really strategic, you know, um, when you're trying to make that uh, transition from residential uh, to uh, commercial, right? Uh, would you Would you say that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think um, knowing what I know now, um, I think one of the biggest things is uh, turnkey. Uh, commercial jobs are pretty much just turnkey, and that's not 
that I wasn't used to that. Um, you know, in residential, I don't have to worry about any of that. Yeah. I just come in, bring the labor and the work, and uh, we get it done. Yeah. Um, you know, I do have to worry about it at the on the back end where uh, stuff is missing or we didn't get enough material. You know, I have to come back afterwards do some punch list items and get that done. But as far as you know, providing any of the material, I haven't you know worried about in the residential and on the commercial side that you do which pretty much about doubles and triples what the amount of um of of, of uh, capital that you need to 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 have those projects sure. so luckily we're doing a small project right now yeah. which is not a huge deal for us and we can handle it and um it's going to be a very good experience i think for me to really see how that all you know works out for sure and again it's not that you can't do the work it's just is a different right yep. uh, it's a different mindset there's different things that you got to consider um and it, it's going to help you scale you know to the company yeah. that you want to become um so what would you all like to see companies do um to support more minority and diverse trade partners right so we talked about uh organization advocators right uh georgia hispanic contractor association agc abc <laughs> namac you know you name it there's a lot of organizations and um you know um i'm fortunate enough that that juno is involved in a good bit of these organizations right to to support um uh the construction industry and specifically minority and diverse suppliers but what would you all like to see differently or or things to be done to help grow uh the, the the future of diverse and um of diverse suppliers i think the first is even having the, the conversation which yeah. juno is doing obviously which is fantastic but not every general contractor that we work with is doing that you know so i think having an eye to it paying attention to it and and wanting it to happen and wanting more diversity will it will come if that's what you're you're seeking what you're doing right but i was thinking about this question um and one uh, job came to mind a couple years ago. I was working on a police station and the plumber on the project was an African-American woman who owned her own company. And she started running into problems because I don't know whether it was the owner or the general contractor, but we weren't getting paid 90, 120 days after we were submitting our billings. And, you know, for me, I, I'm unreasonably lucky that my dad left us in a financial position where I don't. I don't rely on, you know, what we get paid now to pay my bills. I have enough to pay my bills and that comes in to kind of replenish, you know, our coffers. But she was in a position where she didn't have significant financial reserves. And so she had her people walk off the job because they weren't getting paid and she should have been she should have had the money to pay them. But for the fact that again, either the GC or the owner, I don't know where exactly the hang up was. Um, 90 to 120 days is very long oh, yeah. for a, a minority contractor that doesn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in their bank account, yeah. you know? So I think that that's one of the biggest things is respecting and understanding that, like, especially if you're working for a smaller, newer company, it is so important to help them get that money in their hands. Um, and it doesn't mean that she, that woman was mismanaging her company. I mean, I, she was very smart, um, but I mean, you've got to pay your people and if yeah. they're not getting paid, they're not going to come. Right? right. And so I think that was very challenging for her. Um, so I, you know, I would kind of keep an eye to that as, you know, like what terms do you have for people? And then like, you know, 
I, on that same job, I ended up having an issue where, um, you know, we have lien waivers we have to file before we submit our billing to say that I've paid everybody that I owe money to, right? Well, just like the GCs hold retainage on me, if I have a subcontractor, I may hold retainage on them. And so on that same job, I had a generator subcontractor that I was holding a 10% retainage on. So they, I wasn't paying them 100% of what they were owed. I was paying them 100% of what they were owed minus retainage, right? Sure. And the general contractor interpreted that to be an invalid lien waiver and wanted to send me a joint check, and they did. And that might be fine if this subcontractor of mine was based here, but they were based in Tennessee. So if I if I had to deposit that, I would have either had to drive up to Tennessee to have somebody sign it from their company over to me to deposit, or they would have had to come to me. It was this whole thing, right? And fortunately, again, I'm unlike the plumber on that job. I wasn't desperate to get that money to be able to pay people. Right. But for like three months, that was a back and forth between mm. the the you know, uh, corporate office of the general contractor, me trying to explain, like, it's not that I haven't paid my sub, I'm yeah. holding retainage, just like you're holding retainage on me. Right. And finally, it ended up being that they, they sent a new check that was not a joint check. But I, I feel like that lack of consideration, like, yeah. and again, if, if that had happened to that plumber, that could have been dev even more devastating than it was for her at the time. Sure. Right? Yeah. So, Keeping that in mind, and again, that it's not an indication that this person is bad with money or failing at their job, especially if you're starting up, there are high costs to what we do. Um, and she could be managing her money as well as she can. But if she's got no income coming in for three, four months because her bill is not getting paid, she, every, a lot of people are going to be in a tough spot. Yeah, yeah. And so from what I'm gathering is being more intentional and in, in considerations, right? Yeah. Because if our intention is to have more diverse suppliers, right? We have to understand, you know, where they're coming from, what kind of financial positions they are, so that because at the end of the day, we want them to be successful. Because if they are successful, we are successful, right? And um, you know, our in, in, intentions have to be to support them with resources in order for them to be successful and grow. Um, so I think that's important. Uh, I've heard that from different. Uh, trade partners um, that cash flow mm. is important. You know, obviously, like you know, depend on where you're sitting. You're looking at you know perspective, right? Because again, from a GC to a uh, uh, prime some subcontractor, and then you know, you keep going down. You know, they all you know have different perspectives on that. Um, but yes, it is important that you know we make sure that we have things in place to support. Um, you know, smaller businesses or, or supply um, or diverse suppliers. Um, how about you, Brian? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think there's, you know, two things that I think could help. Um, one was, you know, we just we kind of just talked about was capital. Yeah. Capital is a huge thing. And then the other part is uh, uh, mentorship. Yeah. Um, as far as capital, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going through that now, switching from residential going to commercial. And then on top of that, um, another uh, developer wants to go turnkey too, which was an, is an opportunity, but you know, it's, it's difficult to have that kind of capital, you know, on a month to month basis. Uh, when you're, you know, starting out your small business. Um, so um, one of the one of my examples is that uh, uh, the beginning of our contract with you know Stanley Martins, uh, 
they didn't give us, you know, all these neighborhoods at first, right? At first, we started from one neighborhood uh, to see, they wanted to see our work, of course, you know, see how we did, how we handled the job, um, how we handled, you know, having multiple houses. Um, so luckily it went well, and then we expanded, you know, into uh, six, seven neighborhoods this year. And, you know, they nice. continue to, they continue to um, build throughout. Um, their plan is to continue to grow next year as well. So yeah. um, having that transition um, from just having one neighborhood to seven neighborhoods, it's, it's a struggle because once that first neighborhood was done, there was really nothing else that we could do. We, we had to wait until they were building more houses. So we were kind of pretty much dead in the water for about a month, month and a half. And I was lucky. Luck, well, I w- luckily, I planned ahead. I was mm-hmm. able to save up enough money and kind of got us through those kind of um, very, very slow, slow month, month and a half. Um, and now, you know, to this point where there's another opportunity, but they want to have a turnkey pr- uh, um, uh, project for them, for a different developer. So now I'm, you know, working through that, trying to figure out how do I come up with this kind of capital, and then being a small business it's hard for you know banks or lenders that are going to want to give you that type of loan or the amount of loan that i'm gonna need to try to uh, support that kind of project so um, we'll see you know how that you know that goes with with uh with uh, uh that trying to have that um capital for for that those types of projects um and then the other part is uh i think mentoring i think would be a huge huge help for for uh, minorities the uh, diverse uh, businesses um, I've uh, had a lot of help you know once I got into uh, my college years and then into corporate with mentors um, I think they really helped kind of shape me and guide me through uh, those times and kind of get me to where I'm at now I, I mean I think I've from my experience, you know, I think everything that I've gone through kind of helped me to be where I'm at now today. And I think having mentors being there was uh, a big, big thing to that. Um, I think maybe, you know, for, for big companies, uh, uh, something that could help is, you know, just be, be, be flexible with uh, some of these uh, owners to answer questions or, or even have somebody that they can reach out to on, you know, a multitude of questions because being a business owner, I have to have, I have to wear so many hats right, every right. day and every day is something different. Yeah. So I'm constantly, you know, learning different things on a daily basis, setting, uh, uh, trying to put out fires throughout the week and get everything organized. So um, sometimes having somebody there that, that's kind of already been through it to ask questions about what you're going through, I think would be a huge, huge help. That's awesome. So, uh, mentorship, cash flow, uh, resources—you know—seems like there are all ingredients to to help uh, you know more minority and, and uh, diverse suppliers. Um, so, if you have to leave like one advice for um, you know minority, you know diverse suppliers. Uh, that are, you know, just getting their foot in the door, just growing their business, you know, maybe they've been in business for, I don't know, let's say less than three years, and they're just trying to start right. What advice would you give them um, on their on the beginning of their journey? 
and get out there, get yourself out there and be known. You know, um, I was talking to somebody not that long ago in, in that position. It's a um, architecture firm and they're trying to grow. And uh, I, what I told this person was there are hundreds of architecture firms in the metro Atlanta area. Why yours? Right. And the why is not always is a comment you made. Yami is it's not always you're the cheapest. Right. And everybody says they're the best and they've yeah. got the best people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, but why you? Yeah. Right. And that why doesn't usually come on the face of your proposal. It doesn't come via email. Like it comes from developing genuine relationships with people that oftentimes have nothing to do with a project. Right. It's like, let's just sit and, and take this networking opportunity and talk to somebody about how I see things and how I see my business and how I see my growth and all of those things and putting yourself out there. And then people will pick up on that and they will develop the answer to the why. Why I want to support this person. I want them to grow. I want them to be a part of our community, you know. Um, but people won't know that unless you put yourself out there. So I know it's uncomfortable. And, and Brian, I think that's something that's fantastic about what you've done is that you recognize that it's something that is not natural to you as an introvert, but you've done it anyway, yeah. right? And then the mm. other thing I would say specifically to that point as well is like, this job is very hard, but you get up and you do it anyway, right? Whatever issue it is, it doesn't matter, just get up and try. Because yeah. it is it has been very astounding to me how how much like that's what really matters is just that you are willing to show up every single day yeah. and try because nobody's perfect nobody knows everything and if they tell you they know everything you better run away because that person is totally full of it <laughs> right um and like the person that tells you that they're going to execute well every time and they're never going to have a problem that's we all know that's a lie right, right. right um so you know just keep trying like you don't have to be perfect you just have to try and show up every day and you will succeed yeah. um and i know that sounds like a low standard but it's not it's in some days especially sitting in my chair man it is really hard to wake up in the morning and i'm gonna put my shoes on and go to work today <laughs> it's been very long of a week but i'm still gonna go right yeah. and and then you go and you get through it and every terrible bad thing that you've been afraid of you got through right That's so right. you know right. it's uh you just got to keep trying. Yeah, and it's commitment, dedication, which goes a long way, right? Absolutely. You, Brian? Yeah, um, I think uh, just um, you know, just to kind of go off what she was she was saying is is I get out there. Um, at first, it's gonna seem impossible, right? Um, it seems like nothing that you're gonna do is gonna work but all you gotta do is keep trying keep going out there putting yourself out there meet people network and then and then be patient and as you're being patient make sure you're ready for when those opportunities come because when they come because they will come you need to be ready to, <laughs> to to show them what you have and make sure you do the job right you know yeah awesome uh great words of advice you know and um, I'm hopeful that, you know, others will benefit from your experience, your journey um, and, and those advice that you just gave. So I appreciate both of you all for joining uh, me today. And, uh, you know, I, I thank you. Thank you. Yami. Yeah, thank you.